All right, everybody, welcome back. Episode unlucky or lucky, depending on how you look at it, number 13. Andy, how are you? How was your week? You know, I am doing well, Paul. Um, It's been a good soccer week. I have been reading a book that I got for Christmas called The Gods of Soccer uh, from the Men in Blazers, those great, great individuals, those wonderful human beings that uh, give me so much content to talk about, um, and I've been really enjoying that book. So how has your week been, my good friend? Uh, it's up and down, uh, been highest of highs with, uh, a, a great Michigan State win over Michigan in basketball. Cause, you know, on our yeah. soccer podcast, we got to talk basketball. Um, yes, so that was, absolutely. that was great. Go I green. I mean, this is one of our bonding experiences is playing basketball together at Michigan State in the Izone. Like we played on the court, right, Paul? Wink, yes. wink, nudge, nudge. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes, we only we weren't allowed to go and join the team because Tom Izzo had already filled out the roster with his son. So unfortunately, we couldn't join. <laughs> but if there were two spots open, we were next in line. Uh, yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. So honestly, uh, other than that, had some you know family stuff go down this week, so that was really, really not great. But you know, sports helped help bring me back up this week, which was really, really great. So um, some good performances yeah. from Barcelona and sounded like some good performances from Man United as well. So lots of lots of good things to talk about this week. Yes, absolutely. It's always it's always great because when sport can be like that respite from all that's happening elsewhere in the world where you can kind of like see and shift your focus to to the goodness that's on the pitch. It's always it's always good. It's a nice respite from from everything. I saw a interesting reel again from the Men in Blazers where they showed uh, Ukrainian soldiers playing soccer as a little respite from the craziness that is happening in the real world. So anytime you can get away, and one of the reasons why we love soccer so much is it gives us gives us that respite from um, the rest of the the real world. So I'm glad yeah. we can dive into this to to help you in in any sort of way, Paul. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you. I I appreciate that. So, let's uh let's get into the distractions and Barcelona playing against Intercity this week in the first round of the Copa del Rey for Barcelona at least. And oh my mm. gosh, Andy, <laughs> Barcelona almost found a way to throw that game away. Man. Uh, oh my goodness. <laughs> so, so what I, is what has been happening to Barcelona where this it's come to this where you go, you are with the team, you're at the team's momentum. You're not establishing your own game. You're playing the team's game, so to speak. Well, you know how I was talking about last week, and I think maybe even the week before, about how coming off the World Cup, we're going to have some crazy results. Well, we almost had a crazy result. Intercity mm. came out with their hair on fire. Barcelona scored early. It looked like they were dominating the game, and then they give up a goal. And then Barcelona scores, goes up 2-1. And then Intercity comes back and scores. And then Barcelona scores, and you think, all right, that's it. It's over. And then Intercity scores mm. again. The guy from Intercity had a hat trick, probably the game of his life. Yikes. It, what was crazy to me, Andy, was that this game was played at Intercity Stadium, and I think <laughs> 85% of the crowd was Barcelona fans. Wow. Like you wow. had you had players on the pitch yelling into the stands of their own supporters in their colors supporting Barcelona. That's that's insane when 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. And, and that result happens where like you basically have the 12th man on the field, AKA your fans supporting yeah. you. My goodness. Yes. What, what happened? How, <laughs> well, how does, how does that happen? I, I'm guessing a lot of people are Barcelona fans in Spain. Well, I, I'm not going to say a lot of people, but I'm sure there are some that also support other clubs. And I think a lot of inner city fans were like, Hey, Barcelona's coming to town. Woohoo. Let's go Barca. Right. Well, mm-hmm. inner city's team almost played spoiler. It took a deflected shot from Ansu Fati in the 103rd minute in extra time to send Barcelona through. Um, Jeez. Ron, first game back for Ronald Araujo. He played great. Well, I guess it was second, technically a second game back. Um, first game back in like a, I think like a fuller capacity, you know, him getting back in the, the flow of things. So he was great in that game. Uh, he was also great in the game against Atletico Madrid earlier today. Mm-hmm. And uh, Andy, the inner city game, just real quick, it was just poor defense, you know, pretty good offense. I think Barcelona created a lot of chances and dominated the game for the most part. Inner city hit on the counterattack quite often, obviously with the four, three scoreline. But Barcelona found a way to get a win, and as Jim Jackson told Tom Izzo in the postgame interview on Saturday, an ugly win is always better than a pretty loss. That is that is so true, especially when it comes to like a manager's uh, time in the hot seat, where it's like the win, the win gets you through. At the end of the year, they tack up the points. They don't tack up pretty what was pretty about it. That's, yeah. that's for sure. So yeah, always will take the, take the win regardless. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that was, oh gosh, almost gave me a heart attack there. And, and the game earlier today almost gave me a heart attack because Barcelona couldn't close the game out and Atletico Madrid came on really strong at the end. Barca mm-hmm. ends up getting a one, no win over Atletico. Barcelona looked like the much better team over the first 15 minutes. Honestly, probably could have scored two, three goals in that time. Cause her uh, Atletico Madrid looked like they were still in the locker room for the first 15 or 20 minutes. And it wasn't until Barcelona scored that Atletico woke up and started playing harder. Hmm. So Dembele had a nice, nice shot of magic. Uh, Gabi with a nice assist and Dembele looked great. Um, Araujo. Oh my gosh. Thank goodness he's back Andy. So for those of you who Mm -hmm. don't remember Ronald Araujo, Defender for Barcelona was out for 13 straight games with an injury in his knee, I believe it was. And again, this week was his first, what I would consider his first full week back. And he had a save off the line on a shot from Antoine Griezmann. As he's falling in the net, literally, he sticks a leg out and clears it off the line. And later in the game, Griezmann had a free kick from just outside the top of the 18 and Araujo is in the wall and jumps up and heads the ball over the bar. So, I mean, he was great today. Um, He also, in the game against Inner City, had a play where he cleared the ball off the line again, running full sprint. The attacker gets around in Yaki Pena and then shoots the ball and he slides and clears the ball off the line. So... Thank goodness he's back. He is the future of Barcelona center backs, and Barcelona should sign him for life. Andres Christensen played really well at left center back. Honestly, I think it was his best game in a Barcelona jersey, most complete game. He he played very well as well. Mm-hmm. That was the good. That's Andy. good. 
Yeah. <laughs> that was the good. That's good where you're having yeah. some, some center backs coming in, putting in solid defensive performances. That's, that's what you've been, been needing, especially with so many injuries. Obviously, Araujo coming back in, that's got to be helping your back line, building some depth there. Well, let's go to the bad, Andy. <laughs> where 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 should we start? I mean, Barcelona got a one to win, clean sheet, right? That's great. But Sergio Busquets needs to go. He needs mm. to go. I can't tell you how many times he turned the ball over today or almost got caught in possession because he's just too old, he's too slow, he can't defend. All he can do is pass right now. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. he's not fast enough with his passes to to do anything significant in the game. So mm-hmm. he just he needs to go. Chavi needs to put him on the bench. He needs to put in Sergio Roberto or Frankie De Jong or Frank Kessier. I don't care who, just anyone who is more youthful than Busquets. He, we need to find a different answer because, yeah, he almost gave the game away multiple times. Um, Jules Kunde is not a right back, as I've said multiple times on the show. He just, he's not, he's not. Yeah. And yeah. World, you know, World he, Cup proved it that he's not, he can deputize there, but for a game not for a entire, for multiple games, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. And it's Barcelona needs to find an answer in this January transfer window at right back. And then Ferran Torres's best moment of the game, other than being four or five feet offside on a tap-in goal where if he had just jumped back onside, he could have had an easy tap-in. Barcelona goes up mm-hmm. 2-0, and then I don't have to worry and sweat for the next 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. He then gets in a scuffle with an Atletico Madrid player where he is on the ground. He thinks the guy's on top of him. So then he grabs his hair and pulls his, his head back. The yeah, Atletico he's... Madrid player then puts him in a headlock and like has he not read the Bible and just like not tearing people's long hair? Like that's what gives them their strength. And if you do that, like bad things will happen. Has he not, has he not understood that? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. So that was a crazy scuffle. And the referee, this was the quickest double red I've ever seen. Referee ran over, goes, takes out his cards, goes red, red, and then runs away. And I was just like, wow. Okay. And both teams are down to 10. All right. So, yeah, that was Worst that was on the pitch. Hell yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh gosh, yeah. And honestly, Atletico Madrid were by far the better team in the second half. They were on the front foot, creating all the chances. Barcelona was lucky to get away with a one 0 win, but deja vu all over again. An ugly win is always better than a pretty loss, and Barcelona found a way to win today. Mm, yeah, if you would, if you would have changed the game, like let's say, like you're playing Xavi. And you could pick any player. What would you have done in this game, I guess, to have that kind of super confidence in beating Atletico Madrid? Because I feel like that's kind of where Barcelona is kind of at, where they're still, they can compete, but they're not back at like the dynasty level. What do they need? Do they need to, do they need like a Sergio Busquets minus 10 years? Do they need a, a Iniesta kind of number 10 that can just read in between the lines and play the perfect one touch pass. What for you, what would have made this so that Atletico wasn't creating the chances and we would just be talking about like how Barcelona was more missing their chances. And that's why they won one nil as opposed to like, they were able to convert their one chance, but Atletico Madrid kind of bossed the game. What for you would you have liked to have seen? 
personally, I would have liked to see Busquets off the pitch. I think, well, here's what the lineup started with Andy. So Busquets was the uh, central defensive midfielder, and then you had Frankie De Jong, I believe, was on the right side, and Pedri was on the left. Gavi was actually playing like a left attacking winger role. So he was playing out of position because uh, for those of you who don't know, Lewandowski was suspended for this game. So then Ansu Fati was playing center forward, which is not his natural role. And then you had Dembele on the right side, which is his natural role. Um, what I would have done, Andy, I would have gone back in time and I would have over the summer traded away Memphis Depay, who wanted to leave. I would have kept Obama Yang, who was on fire for Barcelona. Mm-hmm. And because Xavi's whole thing is he wanted a backup at every position, right? The problem is Barcelona does yeah. not have a backup for Lewandowski. They don't have mm. an attacking player, someone who's going to play that number nine traditional back to the goal kind of role, right? And score. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's Aubameyang's game. That's, that's what he did in a Barcelona uniform. So mm. why get rid of him? Why get rid of yeah. him and keep Memphis Depay, who's not a traditional number nine? He's more of a number 10. So yeah. I would have gone back in time, kept Aubameyang so he could play center forward, put Ansu Fati on the left wing, where is his more natural playing position, where it's where he likes to play, and move Gavi back to left mid, put Frankie de Jong in that central defensive midfielder role. Not necessarily his natural position, but he's better than Busquets in that position. And then mm-hmm. put Pedri on the right or switch Pedri and Gavi. And then... Barcelona have a better midfield. They boss the game. I, I've talked about the right-back position before. Barca needs a right-back, too. It's just right now mm-hmm. there's a lot of holes, right? The Busquets sure. role needs to get filled, and the right-back role needs to get filled. Yeah. So it's just – and without Lewandowski, Barcelona struggle. They do when you mm-hmm. can't – and there were multiple times where in those first 15, 20 minutes where if Lewandowski was in the game – Barcelona would have been up, up to three nil in the first 15, 20 minutes of the game's over. Yeah. There was a pass that Atletico Madrid played back, tried to play back to their own goalkeeper that Pedri jumped, but Pedri's not a natural attacking player. So he took too, a little bit too long and then tried to chip the keeper and the defender came in and cleared it away. Hmm. If Lewandowski's in that role, Lewandowski is scoring nine times out of 10. Yeah, like so he turns a defender. He gets he gets gets the ball, is able to control it, turns it either to like a winger or something, or is able to turn and just puts it puts it away. Yeah, yeah. So it, mm. Barcelona needs Lewandowski back because Barcelona has to score goals to win games. I mean, everyone has to score goals to win games. Barcelona has to score to get the lead and then play their brand of of soccer. The problem is, yeah. is Atletico Madrid started flipping the script on them, keeping more possession and keeping Barcelona on the back heel. So Barcelona was chasing the game a little bit mm. more than they wanted to. Luckily, yeah. Barcelona found yeah. a way to win and Ronald Araujo saved the day by clearing the ball off the line. Yeah. So it, Barcelona needs a lot right now, Andy. And they're not they're not a top five team in the world right now. They're not a top 10 team in the world right now. They're maybe a top mm. 15 team in the world right now. Okay. Which is crazy so to say about a team that's leading their league. Yeah. But that's the truth. Right, which honestly is both a testament to like how well they're doing and that they're staying on top of the league given what they have, but it's obviously a cause for concern where they're not looking dominant in their play. And I, for me, I always think it's so interesting because there are certain positions in soccer where 
almost like football, like basketball, like if someone is deficient in one position, that affects so many other ones. Because you've talked about Sergio Busquets, and it's like if you have a defensive midfielder, they probably can change the game and the team more so than probably any other player yeah. in the squad. Speaking yeah. because we've now up at United, we've upgraded from McFred combining two <laughs> players into one of Casemiro who can do both McTominay and Fred's like game and just up it even more. And yeah. that's completely changed the dynamic. So I think it's always interesting to see where that is. Sometimes it is defensive midfielders. Sometimes it is just like a winger. Sometimes it is yeah. a defender where they can start attracting more of the, def- more of the defense where they have to now start looking at some other person and that's going to open up the play again. So I think it's I think it's very interesting where it's like you're saying if it's defensive mid and right back because both the fullback position and the center defensive midfield position are now becoming so much crucial in today's game. Yeah. It sounds like Barcelona needs needs the upgrades there in order to advance and become a a more solid uh, team. Yeah, yeah, I agree 100%. And it's like, if you look at Barcelona's success in the last 10, 15, 20 years, well, maybe not going back that far, 10 to 15 years, right? They had mm-hmm. someone like Sergio Busquets minus 10 years, like you were talking about earlier. He was, a, mm-hmm. not was, he is an amazing player. He's just, father time is undefeated, and it's mm-hmm. it's caught up to him. Yeah, you know, yeah. You look at Javier um, Mascherano was playing that role for a time. Mm-hmm. Another... Yep amazing central defensive midfielder also was so good at his defense played center back for Barcelona a little bit out of position, but he adapted to it because he's that great of a player. So Mm -hmm. that's Barcelona's game is predicated on bossing the midfield, keeping possession, pinging passes around against these better teams like Atletico Madrid, like Real Betis coming up. They need someone to, to solidify that midfield, right? Pedri and Gavi are great. But without that third piece, without that triangle, it just mm-hmm. it doesn't work, and they need it if they if they want to win the league. And honestly, Andy, if Barcelona come come away, don't win the league, don't win the Copa del Rey, don't win one of those two, and I think the league's mm-hmm. more important this year, in my opinion. Yeah. I think Xavi's out, and he needs mm-hmm. to fill that role now. Yeah, like he needs-, he needs to find it either in the transfer window or somewhere in his team. And Busquets needs to be on the bench. Mm, yeah, he's going to have to make a tough decision because that's that was his former teammate is Busquets, yep. you know, like telling him to say like your your past requirements now is a tough decision. But if you're the manager, you got to make that tough decision. I've seen that with, again, my experience is just with United where you have uh, Ten Hag saying like he's making that gutsy decision. He's going to bench Ronaldo. Doesn't matter what the name of Ronaldo is. He's going to bench him for the sake of the team. And yeah. because of that, he's earned the trust of his team and the performances have been better as a result. So yeah. he needs both like to take, have the confidence to do that. But also when he does make that, he can't have that defensive midfield that replaces Busquets to have a bad game. He needs him to yeah. have a good game or else it's going to look like complete egg on uh, Javi's face being like, this is why you always keep Busquets. He might be old, but blah, 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 blah. And it's yeah. like, well, in general, he needs to maybe maybe change him. So that's that's what's I guess coming up for or the big maybe the big issue that's surrounding uh, FC Barcelona at this point. 
but coming up, you have Real Betis, which is another top five matchup again. So this is, you know, this is coming really thick and fast for Barcelona. Um, yeah. what are you looking, what are you looking to see in terms of like, what does Barcelona need to do? What's like, what is the thing that keeps you up at night, uh, thinking about this game? <laughs> Well, it's it's going to have to be another gritty gutty win. You know, Barcelona's going to be without Lewandowski again. I think they're getting Jordi Alba back this week, but, you know, um Balde has been a great left back, so I'm not as worried about that, but they're just going to have to find a way to win this game. They're going to have to find someone like some Dembélé magic, maybe some Rafinha magic here and there. They're going to have to find someone to sit in that center position. Ansu Fati is not the answer. I don't know who's the answer, but they have to find someone. And mm. they're going to have to find a way to score a goal or two goals, hopefully, to save my heart. My heart. I almost had two heart attacks this week with both their games. So Damn. it's just they're going to have to defend well. They're going to have to boss possession, and they're going up against a really good Real Betis team. So it's... <sighs> I don't know, Andy. I don't have the answers. Mm. It's just they, they're going to have to find a way. Just like Michigan yeah. State did yesterday, they're going to have to find mm. a way. When yeah. you know Michigan State shot the ball horribly yesterday but played great defense. So yeah, Barcelona might not be able to play the possession style that they want because they don't have the players on the pitch to do that at this time, which is crazy to think because that's been Barcelona's mm. MO for years, right? Yeah. But it's like they're just going to have to find a way. Yeah. And all all great teams do. Not to say that Man United is a, a team that does that, but I've seen <laughs> glimpses of that um, to transition to to United. Um, so like for 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 example, we were able to win three 0 at Bournemouth, um, and it took us to score from a set piece with the class of Casemiro for just one time tu- a one time touch into the top left uh, corner from a free kick, and what's so interesting about this and really exciting from a United perspective is that this was our first goal from, I think, a set piece, specifically from like a set piece, like not necessarily a free kick goal or anything, but like directly from someone kicking the ball on a free kick leading to a goal, um, which is incredible because we haven't done this, it feels like in two years, uh, even since like Ali Gunnar Soldier and even before then, we had been so poor at free kicks. So the fact that we were able to find a win or to at least unlock the scoring as, as you probably know, when you are a big name team like Barcelona, Atletico or um, Real Madrid, Liverpool, United, uh, PSG, the other team is not expected to come at you there. They will sit back and just say, okay, try to break us down. And to get that first goal that determines the rest of the game, whoever gets the first goal probably ends up winning. And for this, for United to get that first goal, that opened up everything. Because what happens is that the other team is now like, okay, if we need to get a result here, we're going to play a little bit more expansive because now we're down a goal and then there's more space. And so for attacking players, they can find more space and makes it easier. So getting that first goal is so, so important. And United have been able to do that. They've been resilient in defense and they've been able to find ways to get goals. United haven't been incredible in creating chances. Uh, I think I saw a statistic that um, they're not in the top of the Premier League in terms of creating chances, but right now they're doing what they need to do to keep on winning. Um, So people are starting to talk about, you know, there's maybe a title push. 
I think it's good to be considered that because it's obviously the case. So it is exciting. Um, but that shouldn't get ahead of us, uh, because yeah. we do have an upgrade in Casemiro. We do have Luke Shaw and, um, Diego Delo who are looking better at right back, but they can be found out. And the reason they can be found out is we saw in this upcoming game against City where as soon as City were able to shut down one player in Ericsson, we were toast. So in terms of how we were able to play against Bournemouth with a 3-0 win against Everton, a 3-1 win, which is actually a closer game than what the score may say, um, this derby is going to be the true, true test to see if we are on our way to progressing. We are doing well, but are we a team that can contend with the big boys when, you know, we are put, we are put to the test and we have to play a different way. We have to go to plan B where we don't have our best players. Do we have the, uh, wherewithal? Do we have the skill? Do we have the knowledge or just even the creativity to say like, okay, we can't do our usual way of play. We need to find another way to win. Um, so that's going to come up on the 14th. Very exciting game because, um, as we'll get into, uh, Arsenal drop points. Um, City have dropped points against Chelsea. So there is potential where if those teams continue to drop points as we play both um, Manchester City next and then I believe the next week or the week after, pretty soon, sometime in the next month, we play Arsenal. If there is a potential for us to jump, we could get back in. Uh, and we could make it, quote-unquote, a title race. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see, but like you said, it comes down to, can our team find, find different ways to win? Because as much as you want to have an identity and win with that identity, the best teams just find ways to win games, no matter what things are going well, they will change. They will change according to what the situation dictates. So that's going to be our, our big thing. Um, so that's going to be our, our true, true test as, as we go forward. Well, and just as a quick aside, so Man City dropped points to Everton and then beat Chelsea twice this week. Um, but we'll get that into that in a second. Um, what I wanted to, to propose to you, Andy, is mm-hmm. a swap Frankie de Jong for Diogo Dolo and oh. Man United throws a little cash Barca's way because, as you well That's know, Barca's okay. a little cash-strapped right now. So... I don't know. That could be something. That I think is too much in Barcelona's favor. I I like the creativity of that deal because obviously we have wanted Frankie de Jong for a long time. And I think he is an upgrade from Christian Eriksen. This is not to dispel how pivotal Christian Eriksen has been for us. But in terms of having a 30-something a as opposed to a 20-something, yeah, I'd rather have a twenty-something who is still showing about the same level of expertise. Yeah, but to lose Delo, um, I think that's hard because our, from what I've seen, our attack along the right side as a right back is better with Delo. Um, I think Aaron Wambasaka did better than I anticipated deputizing there when he was sick, but he Aaron Wambasaka does not look as comfortable making passes as Delo looks when he can just when Delo just one times a cross deep to let's say Rashford on the left hand side or uh, Bruno Fernandez 
or even just playing it down the line to Antony. Um, I don't see that connection with uh, Juan Basaka. So if we were to trade that, I think we would immediately try to sell someone to then get another right back. So that's that's for me. I love the creativity, um, <laughs> but I if I was Arnold, I would definitely not do that deal. <laughs> I'm sorry. Hey, that's all right. You would love hey. a right back. I am. I am yes. so sorry. Yeah, no, that's okay. And honestly, I was just thinking. All right, so yeah. if we take out Frankie, we get rid of Busquets, sit him on the bench. Bench. Sergi Roberto has been playing like everything but his natural position since he's been brought on to the mm. senior team do for you, Barcelona. Do you want he's Fred? A- do you want um, let's <laughs> no. say a right back that doesn't play defense? Oh, Trent Alexander Arnold. Do you want him? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. I want Delo, and then I want. Uh, Sergio Roberto to take Sergio Busquets' spot because Sergio Roberto is a natural central defensive midfielder and mm. he's played a lot of defense. So I think he'd be really good in that role, but I okay. don't know. Anyway, I can sit in my soapbox and propose trades all day, but <laughs> yeah. let me ask you this, Andy. What's the that? Derby's coming up. Yeah. Man City. Is Man City coming to town or are you guys crossing the city? To go to, I, to the Etihad. I believe they are coming to Old Trafford because I think the okay. la- I think our first game we came and that was such an interesting day because that's where I got to meet um, a member of the Manchester United Fans Trust in Chicago. It was a great day. Uh, Andy Mitten. Andy Mitten's a wonderful human being. Um, he let a nobody like me take a picture with him and a very very grainy picture. If that. Nice. Um, and he talked about um, his his time at United, and he actually took he was the one that pointed out that Ericsson was getting man marked uh, specifically. So really, all my insights, as you guys may know, it doesn't come from myself. I have I don't own any of this. I am just getting it from very specific sources and just relaying it and putting my own spin on it. Um, so his <laughs> his acumen is very very strong. Um, so. That was then, and I remember that vividly because I got my girlfriend up to see us lose, and I felt very bad about that. Uh, but moving moving forward with that, I think they're coming to United. Um, okay. Yes. So that's the first part of the question. Was there a second part to that question that I probably uh, forgot? There wasn't. I didn't speak it, but there there is now. It's what what are your predictions? Do Man United have the strength to to overcome Man City? Because the last time it was 4-0, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly, in, in it, City's favor. It was a lot to a little. That's what I yes. remember. It was a yeah. lot to a little, and I know who is a loser because I felt it. Um, <laughs> I I would say in terms of where City is City where City is at and where United are at, I think United are in a better position. I think still the better team is City. So I think if we come away with a draw, I think if we come away, we might eke out a win, but I most likely see it's going to be either a draw or a loss as opposed to win, given Ten Hag's style, where Ten Hag, he, I don't think, wants to play any sort of, we're going to counterattack. He wants to be assertive. He wants to be dominant. So he would rather lose in a domination game than concede to try to hit someone on the counter. So yeah. I could see that going going a certain way, especially like they know a lot of our stuff comes from Christensen and or Erickson, excuse me, Christian Erickson um, is his name and Casemiro. And I think if they lock down those two, 
I think we're going to struggle, but I can see us with our resilience. I think we may be able to have a draw and I think we will be, it'll be just an interesting test to see where we're at and what our medal is. Can we at this moment say, Hey, even if you lock down Erickson and Casemiro, we're still going to find a way to win. Or if they're like, if they do shut down our midfield, will that be a blueprint for the rest of the season and say like, ah, we're not, we're not that great. If they can just find players to shut like our main players down, then we're, then we're set and we don't have enough weapons. So it's going to be, for me, it's going to be very interesting, but I certainly want that city blue to become the much more quieter neighbors of Manchester. Yeah, and in my opinion, I think Man United's been the most informed team in the Premier League at this point in the season. So I could mm-hmm. see United eking out a win for sure. And I yeah. I will not be love waking it. up love it. to watch that game at five thirty in the morning my time, but mm-hmm. I will be watching the replay. Yeah, I really hope my girlfriend is not watching because if we, I will for some reason wake up at 7:30 in the morning to see it, but I may not be able to see the whole thing. So just FYI, um, everybody that listens to this podcast, do not text me what the updates are. I am going to see the game later on because that is my girlfriend's birthday and she deserves the best birthday, which means no soccer, um, because it kind of bores her. So, <laughs> oh, um, darn yeah. it. <laughs> well, that's slow conversion. It's a slow conversion. Slow conversion. Slow conversion. Yes. Uh, yes. we'll get, we'll get her, we'll get her at one of these points. So, yes, but definitely. Case, yeah. Yes. One of these days we'll have, uh, we'll have Elizabeth and Bridget both come on the podcast and give their two cents on what they think about what's going on. Yes. In the I really world. hope Z can inform me because she did a much better job in the world cup predictions than I did. So honestly, <laughs> I need to listen to her. <laughs> like whatever yeah, she's fair. thinking is, is gold. Fair, fair. Uh, all right, let's let's look let's do our look around Europe, Andy, over this past week. Yeah. Starting off, Real Madrid dropping points to Villarreal. I am shaking my fist in excitement because yes. they are now three Good. full points behind Barcelona. I Yay. don't know what is going on. Real Madrid finds a way to lose games to teams that they shouldn't. Honestly, there were two questionable PKs. I think the referee got the decision right both times. I've seen on social media and in some commentary that the question, the decisions were questionable. I think they were pretty clear handballs mm-hmm. against both teams. And yeah. both teams converted the PKs, and Villarreal picks up a huge 2-1 win for them. So it was – I hey, loved good, seeing it. Good for them. Villarreal has always been a great team. I've unfortunately been able to see it on one end uh, with um, – I think it was Unai Emery when Unai Emery still coached them against United. They're a strong team. Like let's not let's not put it aside. They can they yeah. can beat anybody on any given day, and they yeah. can also lose to anybody on any given day. So yeah. they are they're a solid team, but that doesn't mean they're a consistent team. So yeah. glad they were able to be consistent and strong on today for your sake. Yeah, and in my opinion, Andy, they were the stronger team for for the mm-hmm. full game. You know they. Yep. They were creating chances. They were hitting Real Madrid on the counterattack. And yeah, Real Madrid had their chances here and there. But honestly, in my opinion, I think Villarreal looked like the better team if you're looking at the mm-hmm. game from the the whole 90 minutes. So Yeah, agreed. Agreed. It's nice when the game actually reflects that because um, as we get into our next game, PSG versus Chateau Roux, uh, we're moving over from Spain to France going past the Pyrenees. 
to see what happened in France. Um, some may say that wasn't necessarily the case uh, because PSG and Chateauroux, many people might say that uh, PSG deserved to have a better or probably deserved to either tie or lose the game given Chateauroux and their ability to find space within the PSG defense. Uh, however, that wasn't the case. Uh, PSG's talent was just a little bit too much for Chateauroux, uh, who one of the announcers said that PSG was toiling uh, past the 75th minute when it was still tied 1-1, um, and then the goals started coming in for PSG. So um, what I would say is PSG didn't play a whole ton of their big names, kind of rested players, probably in preparation for the uh, Champions League, uh, but still very interesting to see where PSG need their probably their starters in order to make an impact as opposed to maybe having a more deeper bench in terms of just cohesion. So really interesting to see any case able to advance. So PSG uh, march forward in their dominance of France. So we will see how the, uh, how the team is going to be shaping up, especially when it comes into the champions league. Yeah. And then moving from France across the channel, to England, we had Arsenal tying Newcastle. In my opinion, Arsenal looked like the better team in that game, and mm. Newcastle hung on for a nil-nil draw. But again, as we talked about last week, Arsenal haven't really played the big names, and they played the third best team in the league at this point in Newcastle and didn't manage to score. Yeah. So, you know, they dropped points there. Man City managed to beat Chelsea twice in one week, 1-0 in league play, and then 4-0 in the FA Cup. And, oh, man, Andy, Mm. Man City looked good. They did. But, you know, they've they've been up and down in the league so far this season. Yeah, they have not great heading in where their last game is going to be against probably their last game before they meet us. Maybe, actually, that might be wrong. They may play in the League Cup on Tuesday. But not great to see them just, like, absolutely wipe a Chelsea team, which Chelsea have not been amazing, but they still have some great names. Um, so not great to see them getting back to their ways of winning 4-0, 5-1, kind of, yeah. kind of vein. So... And I hate to break it to you, but that 4-0 was without the robot that is Holland. Ah, uh, Mickey Mouse, man. Um... <laughs> You know what? I'm I'm okay because we have two defenders who have won the World Cup now. We're going to have yeah. Varane, and we're going to have the butcher that is Lissandro Martinez. Man, have you seen that guy's forearms? Like, <laughs> holy cow. That guy could honestly just, like, break me, like, in half with just his forearms. Like, he is that insane. Uh... I don't want to, like, even step on his toe and say sorry. Like, I don't even want to bump into him on, like, public transit because, like, he would just – look up in me and just, like, crush his hands. Like, if he had, like, chestnuts in his hands, just crush him and just be like, you want to dance? I'd be like, no, I don't. You could actually have the dance floor. Uh, um, but well, the, any case, the I'm look, getting beside myself. Well, I was just going to say, the look he gave Verg Verghorst after the, the Netherlands-Argentina game, I was just like, dude, the dude's, like, 5'8", right? Yeah. But oh, yeah. the look that he gave that 6'6 guy was like, man, if we go toe-to-toe, you're going down. Yeah, so, dude, I get I, what you're saying. All, all I saw was like a, uh, a necktie, a Colombian necktie coming for Weghorst. And he'll probably show that to Weghorst if the rumors are true that United get Weghorst um, to fill a void as a striker. So 
we we will see what happens. Yeah. Um, but yeah. <laughs> Hopefully we can we can pull it off, but yeah, with City looking this good coming up to the to the Derby, I am not it's, I am not super super excited. It's gonna be a great game, it is, and I'm looking forward be. to it. And I hope no one ruins it for you so that you can enjoy it to the to the fullest extent. Yes, I I hope so as well. Um, moving on, we're going to cross the Alps and go into Italy, uh, where Napoli continue their winning ways in Serie A. Um, they played Sampdoria, which is kind of fitting um, that we're talking about Sampdoria. And just wanted to give a tribute uh, to uh, Signor Viali, um, who was an Italian striker uh, who played for Chelsea. He played for Sampdoria. Um, he passed away uh, this past week from cancer. I uh, ended up losing his battle to cancer. Um, he was able to see uh, Italy uh, as a coach, as an Italian coach. Saw Italy win the Euros, um, and you may have seen him as one of the men that was bald and looking very, very sharp uh, across social media. Um, even my team that I follow, uh, that is my f- family's hometown team, they paid a tribute to Viali, which I think just shows how much of an impact he had on Italian soccer and how he looked after himself and how he looked after his friends and looked after uh, the Italian soccer community. So one to... Want to give a shout out and a tribute to him, uh, thanking him for the impact that he's had on so many individuals, uh, because of the way he carried himself and the way he was able to give even me some great memories of Italy winning the Euros and being alive to see Italy win a Euros. So I want to give him a, want to give him a heartfelt tribute, uh, and that he'll be sorely missed, uh, throughout. So thoughts and prayers do go out to his family, uh, and the rest of Italian soccer. Uh, who paid tribute to him. So uh, a very, a very great man who will be, be surely missed uh, for all that he brought to the game and just to life. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. We, uh, you know, going back to, to losing Pele and now Viali, it's like, it's just, it's a sad time for soccer for, from that perspective, for sure. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that was not sad this week, Andy was Riyad Mahrez's performances against Chelsea he no, scored a race in the FA Cup, but mm-hmm. Andy, he is my nomination and I believe our nomination for Super Sub of the Week for this week, um, coming on in the 59th minute and scoring four minutes later with a beautiful strike off of a great ball from Jack Grealish, who yep. also, as a side note, came on in the 60th minute. Uh, so he was the honorary mention for Super Sub of the Week with that assist to Mara's. Heck yeah, I I couldn't agree more. Uh, Jackie and Rii, um, as probably Jack Grealish would like to like to call him. I gotta figure out what I want to figure out the nicknames that Jack Grealish has given everyone on the Manchester City team because he just seems like a guy that's like I don't <laughs> know your thing. full name, so I'm just gonna give you a nickname. Um, yes. He seems like that kind of guy, um, which is is very fun. I would love to have that guy on my team. Um, so yes. any case, uh, need to find that out, but I could not agree with you more in having those two individuals. Um, they're, I think coming more of age, Rian Mars already come of age at, uh, city, uh, but to see Jack Grealish grow into his, his bit, um, from coming from Aston Villa, um, I think is very, very good to see. So seeing them both come on and making that impact, really, really happy for them. Yeah. All right. And, uh, <laughs> So 
I don't know if this is going to be a one week tribute or a one week thing, or if this is going to be kind of going to become a staple on the show. But Andy, we have a super dud of the week this week. Let's of a super go. Sub. Let's go. You know, I love a little like rhyming alliteration, super sub, super dud. <laughs> I love it. Let's, yes. let's hear it, Paul. So, uh, unfortunately it is one of my favorite players, uh, who used to play for Barcelona and now plays for Chelsea. It's Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who mm-hmm. unfortunately Raheem Sterling got injured early on in the clash against Man City and had to be subbed off in the fifth minute. Aubameyang comes on in the fifth minute and unfortunately does lit, lit, nothing, nothing in the game, mm-hmm. plays very poorly and ends up getting subbed off in the 68th minute. Oh, so he's gonna play a full game. Shoot, yeah, That's <laughs> he sad. played 63 minutes and did not play well and. I feel really bad for him because I think this is really hurting his career. Um, yeah. He was someone who was excited to go back to Chelsea to play for a manager that he was excited to play for, and then that manager got sacked. So mm-hmm. he yep. is in kind of limbo, and I think mm-hmm. probably going to be looking to move squads here. But I would love for him to come back to Barcelona and hopefully regain some of that magic that he had last season because he was mm-hmm. one of the reasons that Barcelona did so well down the stretch. So Yeah. I, I hope he goes there, and if he doesn't like Barcelona, maybe he would like the uh, stadium at Old Trafford, potentially. Uh, we we will see. But yeah, I feel bad for him because he was such a – he was lightning. And I remember a couple of years ago when he was playing for uh, Borussia Dortmund that he was electric, phenomenal um, yeah. as a striker. And people were saying like they couldn't wait to see where he went next because they thought he was a bona fide thing. So it's sad to see him at Chelsea kind of languishing – uh, but yeah. it sounds like for his own career, he needs to go, especially if he's going to be subbed on and subbed off. Um, <laughs> that's never a that's never a good thing. So yeah, yeah, definitely super definitely, so. super dud of the week. I kind of like super- that. Maybe we'll maybe we'll do that next week too. I like that. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fun. Give it a give it a little a little shake up. Um, because we can yeah. always find something even in the the lower leagues. I think we can find something that's very interesting. Um, yeah. So. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast. Um, we will be back next week after uh, the clashes between Barcelona and Real Betis and then the Manchester Derby where we'll give you our uh, reactions, takes, uh, and other super subs and super duds of the week. Uh, Paul has been Paul. I have been Andy. Uh, and a good old bye, bye. to all of y'all.